Hi, I'm Ray. Welcome to another podcast episode, this time all about pubs. Now, I know we've talked about pubs before. In fact, I looked it up. It was on September the 19th, 2019, that I released an episode all about pubs. If I remember correctly, I started the episode by talking about the smell of pubs. <laughs> and I do remember a lot of you commented on that, that you found it disgusting. It is. Everyone in the 60s, just about everyone smoked. Pubs were, were on a, any evening, busy or quiet. They were full of smoke. And that smoke, that stale smoke, gets into furniture, doesn't it? Gets into the carpet, the curtains. It gets into the, the very being of the building. You know, smoke, it stinks. And the first thing, when you go into the pub, they've just opened the doors, uh, say it's half ten in the morning. When, what was it, half ten till two o'clock? No, half ten till three, wasn't it? I think they opened. And then from six to, well, at, uh, in the weekdays, six to half ten at night, at weekends, six till eleven. So if you got there when they're just opening at half ten or six, you go in there, there's no one in there. That's when the smell hits you. The stale tobacco smoke and beer. Because think about the carpet in the pub. Okay, how many millions of pints have been spilt on that carpet over the years? It did absolutely stink. But in a, in a funny way, it was a nice smell. Now you're going to think, how can that be a nice smell? You had to be there. The older people listening will remember this. You had to be there to, to really understand what I'm saying. Because obviously you're going to be thinking, well, stale tobacco smoke and old beer spilt all over the carpet, years of it is going to be a dreadful stench. It was, but, <laughs> but it was a welcoming dreadful stench. You knew you were in the pub. Do you remember the old cinemas in the old days? You go into the cinema, they had a, a particular smell about them. Of course, people didn't drink in the cinema. Well, unless you took a hip flask, I suppose. But they did smoke. And the cinema, that smell of smoke, that was the same sort of thing. Slightly different from the pub because it wasn't mixed with the beer, so it didn't quite have the, the beery, smoky fragrances. Anyway, let's move on from the, the smell of the pubs. But it was a great smell to a lot of people. I remember vividly, 60s, 70s, I remember what pubs were like. Now, the thing is, where to begin? Dave kindly sent me, hello Dave, a whole list of things uh, from ashtrays in the pub to visiting the chip shop on the way home from the pub, a whole list which I've actually printed out. So I've got that in front of me, Dave. I will refer to that every now and then. One thing Dave's put on there is fights. Now, honestly, I don't remember ever seeing a fight in a pub or outside a pub come to that. Maybe I went to the wrong pubs or maybe I went to the right pubs, but I didn't ever, in all my years in pubs, I didn't ever see a fight. I suppose... It depends where you are. I mean, if you're in the middle of a city or a big town, I suppose, I don't know, you're more likely to have fights going on. Where I lived on the south coast here is not so much a small town, but it's not a huge city. Do you know what I mean? There's, there wasn't a lot of trouble here down on the coast. Possibly if I'd lived in the centre of a big city, it would be totally different. In the main, in pubs, there, there were a good crowd of people, especially the regulars, the locals, they were in there. I mean, when I say regular, I don't mean they were in there every night. Mind you, some were. Some were in there every night. But in the main, it was a... The pub was a weekend thing. You had your... Well, I think in the last episode, I called them the... What was it? The six o'clock brigade. They'd pop in to the pub on their way home from work at six o'clock, have a couple of beers, unwind from work, which was good, actually. It was quite nice. Unwind from work, then go home and have their evening meal. And uh, they wouldn't go out again. You very rarely saw any of the six o'clock brigade after they'd left. They wouldn't come back. Very rarely would they come back. Of course, in pubs, you knew people. You got to know people. Obviously, you knew their name. Oh, do you remember that programme, that American uh, Cheers? I love the song with that. Everyone, what is it? Everyone knows your name and everyone's glad you came. That was the bar, wasn't it? In the American programme. And I think that's good because you'd walk into the pub and all your locals are there, your friends, and they'd say, oh, hi, how are you doing? All right. You felt welcome. I think that was the... Pubs weren't just about boozing. 
I think some people think that pubs are just about drinking too much, wasting money on alcohol, getting ill, being sick. And it's not, oh, and fights and all that business. It's, it wasn't, not in my day anyway. It was a social thing. I suppose it was, in a way, our form of social media. Instead of sitting there tapping a, a glass-fronted bit of plastic, you'd actually be in the pub chatting to people, meeting new people, making friends, having a, a chat about how your day had been. I don't recall <laughs> I don't recall any of us ever taking photos of our dinner. That's funny, isn't it, how people do that on social media. Take a photograph of your evening meal or your lunch and put it on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Why? Do people <laughs> do people really want to see what you've got for dinner? I don't know. I've never done that. So, yeah, going back to uh, meeting people, getting to know people, you wouldn't just know their name, where they worked. You, you got to know people quite intimately, possibly not from speaking to them directly, but you'd be perhaps standing at the bar and a couple of chaps next to you, one of them would be chatting about his wife. Oh, you know, it's going to end in divorce, blah, blah, blah. And you get all the details, perhaps hear about that he'd been to his solicitor and his solicitor had said this and that. She'd been to her solicitor. She wants more than half the house. Then there's all the, the breakup with the children. You get all, all this information just by standing at the bar, not deliberately listening. You just happen to listen to what they're saying. You couldn't help it. You couldn't help but overhear what they're saying. And then, of course, members of your own group, you'd have a chat. Someone would come in and say, oh, dear, you know, trouble at home. This has happened or that's happened. And they'd sort of pour out their hearts. It was a good place for unloading stuff, downloading, as you probably call it these days. They say it's good to talk, don't they? Uh, what is it, a problem shared is a problem halved or something and I think that's another thing about the pub anyone with a problem they could go in there and say oh I don't know what to do this has happened that's happened but it wasn't all doom and gloom obviously but you could go in there and have a, a good old chat and feel better it certainly is good to talk I remember one chap quite a character I used to people watch I think I mentioned that recently I used to like people watching you know, sit somewhere or stand at the bar just watching people. There was this one chap, I'd actually missed what he was up to. What he would do, it actually, uh, the girl behind the bar told us at the end what he was doing. None of us had noticed it. He was one of our lot, one of our, our crowd sort of thing. And what he did was keep an eye on everyone's pints. Now, in the main, we all drank lager, you know, pints of lager, disgusting stuff. <laughs> but that's what we drank. So we all had our, say there were, what, six, seven, eight of us at the bar, all had our pints of lager on the bar. What he would do if someone nipped off to the loo, he would craftily, sleight of hand, pour a bit of someone's drink into his glass. Now, no one noticed this. You know, when you're in the pub, it's busy, you're all having a chat, someone saying, oh, look at that girl over there, you all turn your heads, and, oh, yeah, she's all right, oh, she's nice. That's when he'd top up his beer with someone else's. This went on for some time, and none of us had clocked what was going on there were a few comments going around like, oh, it's funny, my beer seems to be going down fast, must be thirsty, or the beer's evaporating, it must be hot in here. <laughs> comments like that, people were aware, obviously, of what beer they had in their glass, but if it went down, say, inch, inch and a half, you sort of didn't notice. Well, you might notice and just then not think anything of it. Well, it was this chap, just very craftily, every now and then, just sticking a little bit into his glass. Another trick of his was to change glasses. He'd slide his glass with, say, half a pint in it. He'd slide that to one side and then take another chap's glass with a bit more than half a pint in it and take that one. He'd just swap glasses while the chap wasn't looking, while he'd gone to the toilet or while he was looking somewhere else. And again, people didn't really notice. Now, it was the barmaid that put us on to him. She said, look, this is what he's up to pouring beer into his glass, swapping glasses. And of course, then we're thinking, ah, right, that does explain that <laughs> the beer isn't evaporating, it's being stolen. So one of the chaps had an idea. He came in with a little plastic bottle, a little squirty bottle. I don't know what was in it originally, but he'd filled it with vinegar. Now, <laughs> you know what I'm going to say, don't you? So what he did was, when he got down to about half a pint, he squirted a bit of vinegar into his beer. And then he he just left it. He would push it a little bit to one side, closer to this chap. So this chap would then pour some of the 
his beer into his own glass. And of course it would taste of vinegar. And you could see by his face, his expression, Ugh, oh, that's disgusting. But he didn't know what to say. He couldn't say to the barmaid, oh, this pint's off, because he, he drank half of it. And he couldn't say to the chap that he'd stolen the beer from, your beer tastes of vinegar. He didn't know what to do. What he did in the end was he bought himself another beer. So he's on his, his new pint of beer. When he got down to about halfway, he tried the trick again on someone else's glass. But what, <laughs> what we had done... The vinegar beer, all right, we knew which one it was because we left a box of matches next to it. At all times, the box of matches was next to the vinegar beer. So we moved it around and he thought that was someone else's. So he poured a bit of that into his glass. And again, his face was, oh, it tasted of vinegar. The funny thing was, at one stage, he did start to say, does your beer taste all right? And of course, we were saying, yeah, it's fine. He said, mine tastes, I don't know, a bit vinegary. And we were all saying, no, nothing wrong with our beer. And he said, well, there's definitely something wrong with mine. Try it. So one or two of us tried his beer. Of course, it tasted foul. But we said, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. What, what do you mean? So that confused him. He didn't know what was going on. He obviously started thinking, well, there must be something wrong with my taste buds. Because we were sniggering, <laughs> as you do when you're a teenager in the pub after a couple of pints, you start sniggering. And, of course, the barmaid's watching out of the corner of her eye and she's grinning. So he got a fresh pint, a completely fresh pint. And this time, he didn't try and nick any of our beers. So his beer tasted fine. So what we did, when he wasn't looking, the chap with a little bottle of vinegar squirted a bit into his beer. <laughs> and, of course, it was very difficult not to laugh and snigger. Anyway, then he tasted his beer and he said oh, that tastes awful now. So, because we're all trying his beer and it did taste awful. No, that tastes fine. Nothing wrong with that. After a few days, uh, we didn't do it again, but after a few days, he did find out. I forget someone told him. I forget who it was. Someone said, yeah, that's what you get for nicking other people's beer. Uh, he'd, actually, he didn't come into the pub much after that. He'd, he'd pop in now and then to see us. But I think as he'd been caught, well, it was thieving, wasn't it? It was stealing. So he'd been proved to be a, a thief. <laughs> but uh, that was a good way of dealing with him, the little bottle of vinegar. Of course, there were other people that didn't do that, but other people would go into the pub uh, as a crowd, and there was always one, wasn't there? Always the same old chap. He would stay behind. He'd come in last. He'd be at the back of the crowd. Say there's six of you walk into the pub. You'd go up to the bar. He would hang back, or he'd go into the toilet. So he didn't have to buy a round. But of course, there were, there were ways around that. We'd make sure that he got in first. We'd all walk up to the bar. He would hang back and then we'd stand aside. Yeah, oh, come through, come through, Brian. There you go, up to the bar. Oh, oh, um, yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, oh, I'll have a, a pint, Brian. Yeah, I'll have a pint as well. So it's his round. You sort of force it that way. It was great fun. But all this was part of the, the pub atmosphere, I suppose. All the fun, the different things, the different characters. As I said earlier, it wasn't just about wasting money on alcohol and drinking too much and making yourself ill. In the main, as I've said, it was a, a pretty good crowd of people in the pub. But there was one chap, he never had any money. Whenever he came in, he had what he called his entrance fee, which was enough for a couple of beers, maybe just one beer. And then after that, he'd say, oh, a bit short, can anyone buy me a pint? Well, people did. If I bought him one and someone else would buy him one. This went on for weeks, well, months, I suppose. And people in the end were not, they didn't want to go along with it. They didn't want to keep buying him a beer because whenever he did have money on payday, he never bought anyone a beer back. You know, he never returned the, the, the compliment. So he was known for that. And I remember one night in particular, he, he said, oh, I'm a bit short. Anyone going to buy me a beer? And I said, well, I can't. I haven't got enough cash on me. And other people would, oh, no, I can't, I'm not tonight, I haven't got enough. And he said, oh, none of my so-called friends are going to buy me a pint. He said, oh, in that case, I'll have to go home. So no one said anything. And he walked out. Now, that's not really very nice, is it? You know, it's, it's what, OK, if someone's a bit short of money, then fair enough. You, know, you don't mind buying them the odd beer, that's fair enough. But uh, that sort of attitude, throw his toys out of the pram because he couldn't get a beer, you know, that's... Uh, People didn't want to know him after that. 
In fact, he was the chap. One night I ordered a beer and a packet of cigarettes. So the barman got the, the beer, put that down. He said, right, whatever the price was. And I said, where's the cigarettes? And he said, oh, didn't I give you the cigarettes? And I said, no. So he went and got a packet. That's when they sold them on the shelf in the pub. Do you remember that? That's going back. This must have been 60s, 70s. So anyway, he, he said, I, I thought I got you a packet of cigarettes. I'm sure I did. I said, well, no, honestly, I haven't got them. So he put the cigarettes down. I gave him the money. That was that. And this chap next to me, this is the one that threw his toys out of the pram. He showed me just sort of under the bar a bit. He said, look, look, I've got the fags. I said, well, they're my cigarettes. And he said, shh, shh, shh. He said, I nicked them. He put them down, so I nicked them. He said, well, don't worry. He said, had he not given you another packet of cigarettes, you know, I would have given these back to you. And it was then I thought, no, no, I, I don't like this chap. I didn't trust him. That was shortly before the pram incident, the toys on the floor, and he walked out. And people didn't really want to know him after that. That was very much sleight of hand. Um, the barman had obviously put the cigarettes down. I'm surprised he didn't think, well, hang on a minute. I know I put them there. Someone's had them and probably, you know, blame me because uh, I was the one buying the cigarettes. I could have slipped them into my pocket and said, where are the cigarettes? So after I kept away from him, well, you know, what with his always trying to scrounge beers from people and going off home because no one would buy him a pint, then stealing the cigarettes like that, uh, that was it as far as I was concerned. You're probably thinking, well, look, all the people that I met in the pub were criminals, scroungers, thieves. <laughs> no, this is only one or two, obviously. There was one chap. This is the characters, isn't it? Characters, all the different characters in the pub. There was one chap used to come in with his wife. Lovely couple. It, she was quite slim. They were, what, in their 40s, late 40s. She was quite slim. He was quite overweight. I forget what job he did. But uh, quite a nice couple. And one evening, he came in wearing a woman's dress. And I, I sort of looked, and I, I looked twice, I looked again, and I thought, what is he doing? It is him, he's wearing a dress. So I said to this friend of mine, look, I said, look, look, he's wearing a dress. He said, oh, that's right, he does that sometimes. It's his hobby. <laughs> and I said, well, what do you mean it's his hobby? You know, I was a bit naive then, perhaps. Well, no, I wasn't. He said, well, now and then he likes to dress in women's clothing. His wife doesn't seem to mind. I said, oh, OK. And that was it. And no one said anything to him. Everyone just treated him as they would normally. His name was Brian. People were just saying, oh, Brian, all right. And he was just chatting normally as if he wasn't. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It took me a little while just to get used to that. But uh, whenever he came in wearing a dress after that, I'd just say, hello, Brian, how are you doing? It was it was accepted. It's funny, isn't it? And that's in the days before all this social media stuff and all this whatever it is going on with genders and things. When he felt like wearing a dress, he wore a dress. He didn't do all the makeup and stuff. He didn't put on a wig or anything. He just wore a dress. Oh, and I think he had stockings and women's shoes. And he was just accepted. His wife didn't seem at all bothered. Uh, obviously, it wasn't her clothes because he was a, a big chap. He was a lot larger than... She was only a skinny little thing. But he was another character. He was a great bloke, and that was his hobby. Of course, everyone in the pub, a lot of tradesmen, if you wanted a plumber, an electrician, uh, a carpet fitter, you know, there's all sorts of people in there, all these tradesmen. So that was great. Someone wanted uh, some painting and decorating done. Oh, yeah, uh, Dave does that. Dave's a painter and decorator. Bit of trouble with my car. Oh, you want to see Eric? Eric's the mechanic. All of us in there. I, I was into radio and TV um, servicing. And I remember people bringing transistor radio in. Oh, can you ever look at this, Ray? It's crackling. Well, it doesn't work. So I'd take it home and a couple of days later, I'd bring it in and I'd fixed it. Didn't charge them anything or, you know, they'd buy me a beer or something. That was the way it worked. I remember once I wanted a, a loft window fitted. You know, these Velux, are they Velux windows? Velux. I wanted one fitted. And I was saying to someone that they're expensive. It's going to cost me a fortune. And he said, no, you want to see Don over there. Now, I knew I knew of this Don. He wasn't part of our crowd. And I went over and said, Don, uh, I want a window fitted in the loft. Oh, I can do that for you, mate. Yeah, give us your address. I'll pop round and have a look. And he did a very good job for a very good price. And funnily enough, at some stage later, I repaired his radio for him. So it was great. Everyone, 
everyone benefited from everyone else. It was, yeah, everyone knows your name. Everyone's glad you came. It was fantastic. I think originally back in the 1800s, when did pubs start? I can't remember. I did read it somewhere. A lot of business was done in public houses. It was like people's office, really. You'd go sit at a table with your, your ale and you would sit discussing business with other people. I remember people buying and selling cars in the pub. In fact, I said once to one of the lads, I said, I'm going to sell my car, I'm going to get another one. And someone said, what car have you got? And I told them, what sort of price are you looking for? You know, we had a chat and I sold him my car. Uh, I didn't ever buy a car from anyone in the pub, but uh, I was actually recommended to this other chap who I did buy a car from. So yeah, it was great. Business was done in the pubs. That's, as I say, that's originally what happened in public houses. You're well over 100, is it 200 years? I must find out when pubs started, when the first pub opened. I don't know, because they used to brew their own beer, didn't they? In the very, very old days, before my time, before I was a boy. They, each pub, uh, well, it was a house, basically, wasn't it? Public house. In other words, someone's private house, they made into a public house. They brewed their own beer out the back, their own ale, and uh, they sold it. <laughs> I wonder, do I've often wondered if you could go back a couple of hundred years and taste a pint of ale. It was probably foul going back then. It was probably disgusting. I dread to think what the uh, the alcohol level was. Was it uh, alcohol by volume? It was probably about 20%. <laughs> of course, also back in the 60s, uh, women weren't served pints. If you had a girl with you, your girlfriend, your wife, and she wanted a, a beer, a lager or whatever, bitter, they wouldn't serve her a pint. They had to be in a, a lady's half pint glass. Now the ladies' half pint glasses had stems, a bit like a wine glass. It was a, a short stubby stem uh, and it was a half pint glass. So, I mean, that's all changed now. Everything's changed now. What I don't like these days is pubs aren't pubs anymore. You know, the pub used to be a public house, a meeting place where you'd have a good old chat, a natter over a few beers. They're not anymore. Well, the majority of them, and there's probably still one or two around, but the majority of them are now restaurants, aren't they? You go there to eat. You don't see people lined up at the bar, all having a chat and the music going in the background and all the, the humdrum of the chatting, you know. That's all gone. All you hear now is the humdrum of knives and forks because people are eating. I, I don't like it. I, well, I say I don't like it. I suppose that's because I'm old. I remember when a pub was a pub, not a restaurant. I remember one chap, he, again, he was not part. There were different crowds, different little groups of people. There was our group. Then there was another group around the other side of the bar. You just follow the bar around a bit. They used to congregate over there. So there were different little groups. I mean, everyone knew everyone, but you just kind of congregated in your own little crowd for some reason. But this other chap from the other group, he said to me once, uh, he was showing off, he was boasting. He said, I spend £12 a day in here. Now, these are the days when beer was, well, less than a pound a pint. I don't know what it was, less than a pound. And he used to drink whiskey. And I said, a oh, whiskey and beer. And I said, uh, £12 a day? He said, yep, yeah, every day, £12 every day I spend in here. And I said, well, that's a waste of money. And he didn't like that. He said, what do you mean a waste of money? I said, well, £12 every day? I said, that's a huge amount to spend. You know, we'd have, what, three or four pints, which was less than four pounds. And we weren't in there every day. You know, that would cost a fortune. When you think about that, 80, well, 84 pounds every week, because he was in there every day, 84 pounds a week in the pub. Good grief. Back in those days, I mean, my, my mortgage, I remember my mortgage was, oh, not my first, I can't remember which mortgage, 89 pounds a month. My mortgage was 89. I forget what year that was. Anyway, you see what I'm saying. 89 pounds a month. And he was spending 84 pounds a week on whiskey and beer. Uh, and he smoked. I don't know how some people did it. I don't know where they got the money from. He was a bit of a big headed sort of person. He was a sort of person that whatever anyone had done, he'd done it bigger and better. You know, the type, oh, I used to do this. Oh, I've done that. Oh, yeah, I did it. I did it better than that. You know, the sort of person I'm talking about. Here comes an aeroplane. 
You probably can't hear it because I've shut all the windows. When I do my recordings now, I have to shut all the windows because we've got aeroplanes. Now the summer's here, Shoreham Airport is really busy. Sorry, Brighton and City Airport. What a load of rubbish. Shoreham Airport, <laughs> I moaned about that before, do you remember? Is really busy. I don't know, talking about where do people get money from, where do people get money to buy all these private planes, all these little, um, what are they, Cessna or whatever they are, these little aeroplanes, they're all bobbing around the skies, especially at weekends, and they're all coming out of Shoreham Airport. Where do they get the money? How much is a plane? I've no idea. I know that flying lessons are expensive because a friend of mine, and this is years ago, it was £100 a time, a flying lesson. I don't know how many hours you got for that, probably a couple, 100 quid a time. And he was having one lesson a week. I don't know, he moved away in the end. I don't know whether he ever got his pilot license or whatever, but uh, 100 pounds a go. And then you've got to buy the plane. Now, I wonder how much planes are. I'll have to have a look on, e <laughs> on eBay. <laughs> uh, what is it, a little Cessna, see how much they sell for. But I've had to shut the window. It's really hot weather again today. It's lovely. The summer has arrived at last. It's rather warm in, in the house because we've got all the windows closed. We've got traffic going by, aeroplanes, and the seagulls, do they never sleep? Does anyone know? Do seagulls ever go to sleep? Because our lot don't. Three in the morning, four in the morning, they're screaming and shouting out there. I don't know what they're doing. I said Brighton and City Airport, didn't I? It's old age. I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, you've gathered that by now over all the years of listening to my podcast episodes. I wonder if any of you started listening from day one and are still listening Highly, <laughs> highly unlikely. It's Brighton City, isn't it? Not Brighton and City. Brighton City Airport. But it's actually Shoreham Airport because it's in Shoreham. And it's like the cement works. They call it Shoreham Cement Works. It's actually beading. It's beading cement works because that's where it is. But it's just at the back of Shoreham. So people say Shoreham Cement Works. There you go. I was reading about that the other day. Quite interesting. It was hugely busy. And they had trains going up there with, um, what do you make cement out of? Lime, is it, or something? Loads of steam engines dragging up trucks with, full of rocks and lime and stuff, whatever you make cement out of. Of course, it's all gone now. It's a shame, it's derelict. The cement work buildings, all the glass is broken. It's just all derelict. I think there's some haulage company or some lorries that use it, possibly for parking. I don't know what they do, but it's a shame that it couldn't have been turned into a museum or something, I suppose, what, what can you look at? There we are, there's the cement works, there's some bags of cement. They had huge rotary kilns, which I think would be quite interesting to have a look at. But uh, anyway, I suppose it's money. It's all money, isn't it? Easy to say, we'll turn it into a museum. It would cost hundreds of thousands to make it safe for the public, public toilets, you know, a, a restaurant area or cafe area. It just costs hundreds of thousands of pounds. And to see what, a, a rotary kiln that's fallen to bits and a few bags of cement. <laughs> there we are. Nice bit of history though, Shoreham, or I should say beading cement works. Look it up on the map. Let's go back to the pub. I could do with a beer. No, I couldn't. It's, uh, where are we? 10 o'clock in the morning. Good grief. Friend of mine was uh, alcoholic. Lovely chap, but alcoholic. He'd wake up at six in the morning and by his bed, he had a, what his wife thought was a glass of water. It was a glass of vodka, you know, a half pint tumbler of vodka. And he'd wake at six in the morning and knock that back. Uh, he was a you know, genuine alcoholic. He admitted it. Um, his wife knew, but he said she didn't know. But, you know, he admitted to us a lot that he was alky. But uh, great show, a lovely chap. He died in the end, of course. Um, what was it? Cirrhosis of the liver and other complications. He was, when he went, he was in his 50s, I think, early, 50s, early 60s. Lovely chap. He'd been in the music business uh, up at the London Palladium, you know, the, in the theatres, in the in the pit. They call it the pit, where the orchestra is. He played there. He played bass guitar uh, and uh, double bass in the, in the orchestra. And, of course, after the shows, people would all go to the bar and they'd drink. It'd be late at night. They'd all drink. And he just became alcoholic. Uh, such a shame because he was a lovely chap. So going back to the pub, not to drink too much, just talk about drip trays. You know the drip tray, that's the little tray under the where the beer engine things are. You put your pint glass on the 
drip tray and it would any overflow or spillage would go into the tray. Well, one evening, one of our, our lot, one of our locals, our regulars, he ordered a pint of lager and he tasted it and he said there's lime in that. Now, the person behind the bar was this old lady. She'd been there forever and a day, you know, like 200 years. And he said, there's lime in here. She said, no, no, I haven't put lime in yours. I know you don't drink lager and lime. He said, well, there's definitely lime in it. And we all had a little taste. Yep, there's lime in that. What she'd done, someone else had obviously had lager and lime. She'd filled someone else's glass. The overflow had gone into the drip tray. And of course, it tasted of lime. Anyway, she was quite indignant. She said, I, I do not, because someone said, you've probably poured the drip tray into his glass. She said, I'd never do that. I never do that. And she did. We'd seen her do it. We all knew it. Anyway, the landlord came over and we could hear what he was saying. He kept his voice down. He said, don't do that to the regulars. Do it to strangers, but not the regulars. So anyway, he, uh, this friend of ours got a free beer. Uh, well, not a free beer. He'd paid for a beer, but they changed it. So uh, we kept an eye on her in the end. In fact, we tried not to get served by her because we'd caught her out and she didn't like it. And she, she used to look at us, you know, that look out of the corner of her eye. Not a glare as such, but she'd wait till one of us wanted serving and then come over so she could pour the drip tray <laughs> into our glass. I mean, it's an awful thing to do, really. You know, all the muck from other people's glasses, all they've been spitting in it. Well, you don't spit in your beer, but, you know, it's awful. And the thought of it, in fact, in the very old days, in the mild barrel, do you remember a pint of mild? At the end of the evening, when they closed the pub, all the drip trays, whatever's left in people's glasses, all went into the mile barrel. In fact, they used to keep a bucket, uh, a bucket on the floor behind the bar, and chuck any leftover drinks in the bucket, empty the drip trays into the bucket, and all that would go into the mild barrel. And apparently, it made the mild taste good. The old boys knew what happened. I'm going back to the 60s again. The old boys knew what was going on. Anything was chucked in there, lemonade, you name it. And they reckoned it improved the taste of the mild. They wanted it to happen. So that's weird, isn't it? I remember one pub, there was a, the barrels, you know, the, are they aluminium, whatever they are, the aluminium barrels. Um, they've got a, a big nut fitting on the top and there's a huge nut. You undo that. Obviously, back at the brewery, they take the, the thing out the top, they fill the barrel and then put this back. And someone, one landlord, I won't mention pub, well, the pub's gone now, so it doesn't matter. He had a spanner made up. You know, one of the lads in the bar, oh, I'll weld up a spanner, I'll make a spanner for you to fit the barrels. And he used to open the barrels. I don't know what he did. I don't know what he poured in there. This wasn't only the mild barrel. It was other barrels. So uh, that was a bit dodgy and illegal. I believe it's obviously against the, the rules, but I think it was uh, a criminal offence. Don't quote me on that. I remember when food started coming into pubs. Was it the government or someone said pubs have to sell food? Was it a, a law or so? I think you had to sell food. So pubs started doing bangers and mash, you know, sausage and mashed potato or pies or whatever they did, stuff like that. I think you had to have food because a lot of people would just drink too much. I mean, not me, obviously. Good grief. Upright pillar of the community. Drink too much? Perish the thought. But a lot of people didn't eat. They'd go straight into the pub without eating. If someone lived at home, perhaps on their own, lived in a, a small bedsit or a flat, they didn't bother to cook at home. They'd just go out, get fish and chips later or something on the way home from the pub. And of course, then the beer, if you, if you start drinking on an empty stomach, the alcohol hits you sooner and harder. So pubs started to sell food, usually things like bangers and mash or whatever, pies, stuff like that. I remember seeing these glass cabinets on the bar. They were heated and you could buy warm Cornish pasties, meat pies, things. I mean, I didn't have that because I had a meal before I went out in the evening. But uh, yeah, I do remember that. And the food wasn't bad. I suppose that was the beginning, wasn't it, of pubs selling food. Then to compete, you know, your food in your pub will be better than the food in the pub down the road or across the street you get known for your food and of course it's all turned round from drinking and propping up the bar it's all now gone over to restaurants which is I mean restaurants are great don't get me wrong it's nice to have a restaurant but you also want a pub 
be nice to have the pub next door. <laughs> I do miss, though, the traditional British pub, as they were known. You know, it was, they were an institution, weren't they, pubs? They were British. You're going to tell me now they weren't. They started off in India or something. I did, did who started pubs? Because in America, do you, you don't call them pubs, do you? Email me. I know it's Bob in California. Hello, Bob. What do you call them in America? Bars? A bar or something? You just call it a bar, don't you? Be interesting to know. And Australia, well, we've got listeners all over the world. I was having a look the other day on the statistic things on the podcast episodes. And do you know the majority of listeners, do you know where they are? Not the UK, America. America and Canada. Uh, I think the next biggest uh, audience is Australia. And then it goes, no, sorry, America, UK, Australia. And then it goes around all the countries around the world from that. But uh, how about that? So you Americans are my biggest audience. Thank you. I was just looking at Dave's list. Hello again, Dave. Dave's put full ashtrays in the pub. Okay, all along the bar, there were ashtrays. Sometimes you get a brick, you know, a house brick with the, what's the hole in the, you know, the slot, the frog, isn't it? Is that called the frog? And that bit, the, the hollow in the house brick, will be full of red matches. And that's to light your cigarettes. So you just take a red match, strike it on the brick, and you could light your cigarette from it. But there were ashtrays all along the bar. And obviously the the bar staff, I have to say bar staff, can't say barmaids or barmen because they're staff these. Bar persons. <laughs> bar persons, my, I mustn't swear. It's all gone mad, isn't it? As far as I'm concerned, they were barmaids and barmen. And they used to clean out the ashtrays with a paintbrush. Do you remember that? They'd tip the ashtray up, an old ice cream tub or whatever it was, and brush it out into this old tub with a paintbrush. Of course, the ash dust is flying everywhere. <laughs> I don't know, talk about, was it health and hygiene and whatever? And every table had an ashtray. And the bar, what are they, bar persons, would go around with this paintbrush and this old tray thing or box, sweeping out all the ashtrays. And of course, you had to be careful because there might be lighted cigarettes in there. And I know that what some of the pubs did, I don't know about all of them, when they got back with this plastic sort of box full of ash, they pour water in it. And I don't know what they did with it then, just put it in the dustbin like that or something, because fires could start obviously quite easily. I remember one chap one evening, there's this brick on the bar full of red matches. And he, I don't know, he had too much to drink. I was like, he, he thought it was the ashtray. He stubbed his cigarette out on all these red matches. And of course, the whole lot flared up. And there's flames and smoke. Oh, the, all that sulphur, isn't it? It stinks. And it's... <laughs> of course, everyone's going, Ray! Whenever anyone dropped a glass, you broke a glass, it would smash. It's all cheering, isn't it? Do you remember that at school in the uh, assembly hall at lunchtime where you have your dinner? Unless you had a, a separate dining room, of course, in a posh school. Someone would, in the kitchen or wherever, would break a plate. And the whole school would cheer. Ray! <laughs> they were great days in many, many ways. And I was talking to my mother-in-law yet again. In fact, she's here for lunch today, so I better not be too long rambling. Oh, no, it's all right. It's early. I was saying to her, I want to go back to the 50s. And she said, so do I. I've talked to my mum about this. All of us want to go back to the 50s and 60s so much. We really do want to go back there. Things were so, so very different. They were fantastic. I know we didn't have such good food. You, know, you couldn't buy strawberries at Christmas, and you can now in the supermarket. You can buy strawberries any time of the year. It doesn't matter what's in season and what's out of season. It's all available all the time, which I suppose is nice, but it was rather nice thinking summer's coming. Whereas spring's here, soon be summer, it'll be strawberries in the shops rather than just all the year round. Anyway, I've rambled off onto some other track. Now, where's my notes? Now, it says here, village bike. Oh, I think this is a bit rude. Dare I mention the village bike? I haven't talked much about girls, have I? All I mentioned was girls couldn't have pints. I don't know when they started serving pints to uh, girls and young ladies and old ladies, all ladies, whatever they are, women. Am I allowed to say women? There was a time, though, when they, they just said, oh, you know, to hell with it. If they want a pint, they can have a pint. In the very, very old days, I don't think women were allowed in pubs. Then it was frowned upon 
if they went in on their own, unaccompanied by a, a man, it was frowned upon. I don't know. Um, interesting stuff. See, at school, I was talking about history at school the other day, wasn't I, the other week? And I was saying how boring history was. What happened in 1066? Oh, I don't know. I wasn't there. No one was interested. Had they talked about pubs, right? I went to an all-boys school at one stage. And, of course, we're all about to become teenagers and go down the pub and drink beer. So why not tell us the history of pubs about women not allowed in pubs and then only drinking halves and all this stuff? Now, that sort of history is what boys would have been interested in. Well, I would have been anyway. So the village bike. Am I allowed to talk about the village? You know what I mean by a village bike? You, a, a girl would be known as the village bike because we look it up. I won't mention it. Look it up. There might be uh, youngsters listening. But uh, I knew the girl that they called the village. My chair's creaking again. I knew her. I got to know her quite well, actually. And she was lovely. She was lovely. She wasn't a village bike at all. People just called her that. And one evening, it was fantastic. One evening, this chap was saying, oh, yeah, I've, uh, I've ridden the bike, blah, blah, blah. And she overheard. So she came across <laughs> to where we were. And she said, uh, I remember that. And of course, it wasn't true. So we were thinking, why is she saying that? Because he's lying. You know, he'd never been out with her or anything. And he said, oh, oh uh, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And looking at us and grinning. And she said, that was the worst, whatever, ever. The worst I've ever known. You are absolutely useless. And she wandered off. <laughs> and of course, he was left. We're laughing. We're all laughing our heads off. And he was left highly embarrassed. So he wanted us to believe that he'd been with this girl. She came over and confirmed it for him. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't true at all. But, uh, and of course, it, he ended up red-faced and we're all laughing. But the village, by awful um, terminology, isn't it? The other one was village idiot. Why are there village idiots? Why is it always a village? I wonder. I mean, our village is full of idiots. I lived in a village. Do I loved it? I loved it. It was just outside where I live now, just outside the town. And I love that village. It was really nice. And yes, there was a village idiot. There was a village bike. I got to know her. That's another story. We're not going down that road <laughs> at the moment. But I mean, where I live now, there are, there are no doubt town bikes and town idiots. So I wonder why it's, it's always village, isn't it? I'm just looking at Dave's email here. Uh, most popular drinks for men and women. Beer and spirit prices, pub grub, we have talked about that, bar snacks, smoky pubs, pub crawls. But yeah, pub crawls. How many pubs where you lived? Loads of um, pub darts, football, snooker teams. Loads of stuff here, Dave. Probably won't have time to mention the lot. Pub crawls. I must fix this chair. Right, I think that's shut it up. Pub crawls. You know, I never liked pub crawls. I didn't like... What I liked doing was going to the pub, meet your mates in the local. What I didn't like doing, sometimes someone would say, oh, let's go down the road to so-and-so pub. And I went with them because everyone else was going. I didn't really like it. I liked to get my spot at the bar, you know, lean on the bar. That's when I was younger. I have to sit down these days. And that was it. I was settled there for the next hour or two before I went home. I didn't want to traipse around town going from pub to pub. One of our friends was always wanting to go to Brighton he said, oh, let's all go to Brighton. You know, we'd be in the pub eight o'clock at night. Let's go to Brighton. I mean, we did on the odd occasion, but he was a very spur-of-the-moment person. Let's all go to Brighton. There was a bird's nest. I think I've mentioned the bird's nest before. It was a kind of a pub, but it was more of a club. Yeah, I have mentioned it. They had a telephone on each table, an old Baker-like telephone with a dial. And over each table, there was a number hanging. So you dial, you see a couple of birds. Oh, sorry, girls. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You see a couple of birds at a table. You think, well, they're a bit of all right. And over their table was perhaps a number, 7-2. So you pick up your phone and dial 7-2 and you could phone them. And everyone on each table, they're all on the phone. So the girls didn't know who it was that's talking to them. So you could, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't rude, obviously. As I said earlier, I was a upright pillar of the community. But you could phone these birds and, and be naughty. Actually, it wasn't only the lads that phoned the girls being rude. It was the other way around. I remember picking up the phone and some girl suggesting things to... Anyway, we won't go into that. That's another, another story for another time. But I didn't like pub crawls as such. 
if we all said, OK, this Friday or Saturday we'll go to the bird's nest in Brighton, fair enough, that's what we were doing. But I didn't want to go to the pub, have a beer, and then, oh, right, that's it, we're all walking down the road to the next one. I didn't like that. Going back to food, do you remember the basket meals? Or what do they call them? Bar meals. Scampi and chips, chicken and chips, all in a basket. I mean, the wicker basket had kind of tissue paper in it. But uh, I remember those. Again, that was the start, wasn't it? That was the transition from bangers and mash, basket meals. Then they started setting up tables in a certain area. Then you had the full restaurant and the pub disappeared, or as good as. Another thing Dave's put on his list, how many pubs near where I lived? Well, I think I've mentioned this before. So many pubs in my hometown have gone. There were, I don't know how many there are now, but there were, I think I can say safely, three quarters of them have gone easily. I can say that 75% of the pubs have gone. Offhand, there was the Buckingham, the Victoria, the Jolly Brewers, the Clifton, the Ship, um, the Spaniard. I mean, you know, that's just briefly, very briefly offhand, that lot have gone. There are so many. It's such a shame because pubs, not only in a town, but especially in a village, they are the, the hub of the village, aren't they? The, the community. A pub, a, a village pub is the community sort of centre, if you like, of the pub. Uh, as much as the local shop, the post office. That is the, the centre of the village, isn't it? Village life. And so many of them are gone. I, I think I mentioned some weeks ago, I went to a pub in, uh, where is it? Pycombe, near Brighton. Look it up on the map. Pycombe, as in P-Y-E, Coombe. I forget what it's called now. Lovely pub there, absolutely lovely pub. But uh, that's one of the few country pubs left. I mean, that now is squashed between what is it, the A23 and the A27? You know, it's a little bit near this kind of interchange thing. Um, so you can hear traffic in the distance. But that was a, a proper village pub. It's now surrounded by major roads and cars and traffic noise. There's another little village pub. Now, where's that? Is that Wivelsfield? I can't remember. Wivelsfield, I think. Look that up on the map. That one's gone. In fact, the Elms pub, Near, not far from where I live, near to me, that's now Flats. There's the Dolphin pub. That is now Tesco's, Tesco's Express or whatever it's called. There's another pub, I forget what it was called. That's a block of Flats. They've just gone. I think it was the 60s that the public bar, or certainly by the 70s, there were two bars, Saloon and Public. The Saloon bar was, or the Lounge, that was a posh one. They had carpet and nice seating. The public bar had kind of floorboards or lino and wooden seating, if you like. That's where the dartboard was. That was that was cheaper beer in there. It was a little bit cheaper. I remember one landlord in a pub uh, not far away from me again. We hadn't been there before. We're teenagers. We hadn't been there before. We walked in, found ourselves in the public bar, bought some beer, and there was this sort of walkway through. We wandered into the saloon bar we didn't know which bar we were in what was what you know we didn't know our way around the place and this landlord how dare you come in here you buy the beer cheaper in the public bar and walk in the saloon bar you know i know your game i know what you're up to blimey we finished our beer and said right we're not coming back here again and we didn't there was also in the old days what was it called the snug as in snug <laughs> snuggle down that was what was that for i think that was for Elderly ladies. Well, I'm thinking of Coronation Street now. Who remembers Coronation Street? There was uh, Ina Sharples, Martha Lindley, was it? Martha Lindley. Oh, what was the other lady's name? They used to sit in the snug and drink milk stout. Milk stout. I've never tried it. It sounds disgusting, doesn't it? Oh, what was it? Ina Sharples, Martha Lindley and not Amy Turtle. She was in Coronation. Not Coronation. Oh, she was in Crossroads. I'm going to have to look it up, aren't I? The three old ladies drank milk stout in the snug of the Rover's Return. I've got that right. And Annie Walker was the landlady. Oh, her husband, Jack Walker. There was Elsie Tanner. Hang on, I've never watched Coronation Street. What am I saying? Martha Longhurst, Minnie Caldwell and Ina Sharples. They were the three old ladies. I've had to, <laughs> I've had to look it up. 
Goodness me. I've never really watched Coronation Street, but that's going back to the black and white days, isn't it? Back in the, well, early 60s, I suppose. I think it started in the 50s, Coronation Street. Then the other lot brought out EastEnders to kind of combat it, didn't they? And both, of course, are still running. At weekends, of course, Friday night, Saturday night, the chip shop on the way home was imperative. You had to go via the chip shop and buy a load of chips and what are they, Savaloy sausages and cod and all sorts of stuff, pies and things, and chuck all that into your stomach along with half a dozen pints of beer. Lovely. Sometimes what we used to do was go over to the Indian takeaway that you sit in as well, and we go sit in there for another two hours. This is 11 o'clock at night after you chucked out of the pub, and we'd have curry. And they also sold beer, so... You're still drinking and eating curry, you know, at kind of, what, one o'clock in the morning. And then, I don't know, I don't know how we did it. I suppose in your teens, early 20s, it's easy. If I did that now, I'd need to take a month off. I'd need to lie down for a month to recover. If I have a couple of bottles of real ale, I go to sleep by seven o'clock in the evening. It's awful, isn't it? I don't, I've never been able to drink lunch times. Sunday lunchtime in the pub was a, a real thing. Uh, in the UK back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, Sunday lunchtime, it was open from 12 till 2 o'clock, 12 till 2. And we used to stand outside at kind of 10 to 12. We'd all meet there outside, all standing out in the car park, whether it's midsummer or midwinter, standing outside the pub. We'd all go in, have a couple of beers, have a chat for two hours, and then all go home and go to sleep. Some people could go in there lunchtime. I, I could never understand it have kind of six pints, go home, have Sunday dinner, you know, a big Sunday roast. Then they're back in the pub in the evening having a load more beer. I don't, I couldn't do that. I've never been able to do that. But lunchtime drinking has never suited me. I only had one or two and even then I'd be sort of falling asleep by mid-afternoon. The pub was never, well for me anyway, it was never a place to meet girls. Not, you know, girls to go out with pull the birds as we used to say. We used to go and pull the birds in the clubs, not, not in the pubs. Because although there were a lot of girls in the pub, it wasn't that sort of atmosphere, not the pubs I went to. We didn't dress up to pull the birds, and the birds didn't dress up to look good to get pulled, if you see what I mean. Not in our pubs anyway. The nightclubs, of course, were totally different. I've, um, I've done an episode on nightclubs, haven't I? I think that uh, was back... Again, last, uh, was it September 2019, around that sort of time. So have a look at that. Go back through all the podcast episodes, because as I've said recently, I've said before about people saying, oh, do this, do that, and I've done it. But uh, there have been so many people, there really have been a lot of people that said, do the pubs, do the pubs again. So here we are doing the pubs. I did meet girls in the pub, of course, and you know, end up being sort of, boyfriend and girlfriend with some of them. I remember one in particular, she didn't live far away from me. She was always in the pub and uh, she lived in the same street as me. And we used to say hello in the street, got chatting in the pub and kind of ended up going out with each other for quite some time. But I think in the main, it was just, it was more the lads would go to the pub to be with the lads. You know, it was a lads evening and the girls, of course, there would be groups of them. They would get their vodka and lime or whatever they drank in the early days, Baby Sham, Cherry Bee, and they go and sit at a table. they do their thing and we do our thing. It wasn't really, as I said, it wasn't for meeting up boyfriend-girlfriend type places. I mean, sometimes I'd take a girlfriend along to the pub. If I was going out with someone, I might say, well, come along. But the, but the trouble was with that, you've got all your friends there and you're with this girl. They haven't got girls with them, so she's the only girl in the crowd. That was a bit difficult. What was that song? Was it the Bee Gees? Um, don't, was it you don't take your best girl out on a Saturday night or something or leave her at home? I can't remember. But that was the thing. When you're out with your mates, it's really not a good idea to take your girlfriend with you because she's going to stand there like a lemon or, you know, you've got to go and ignore your mates and talk to her. It's difficult. I think it was, was it getting around? Um, we didn't go steady because it wouldn't be right to leave your best girl at home on a Saturday night or something. Anyway, 
we did have a best girl, so to speak, but didn't usually take her to the pub. I don't know. <laughs> Thinking back, what did we do with our girlfriends on a Friday or a Saturday night? Depends what sort of relationship it was. If you're sort of planning to get married, then you're not down the pub on a Friday or Saturday with your mates. You're kind of with her. You'd save up and you'd buy things for your bottom drawer, like nappies. No, not nappies. <laughs> Diapers in America. Uh, you know, stuff for your new home. When you actually got married, you'd save money and you'd buy things for your home. And there's that other record, isn't there? The, the Railway Arms is Calling. That was, oh dear, I'm hopeless at songs. You know the one I mean. I've just remembered Squeeze, Up the Junction, The Railway Arms Were Missing. And uh, what was it? They were staying at home, putting away £10 a week. Um, he got a job with Stanley, who said I'd come in handy and all that stuff. And Smelly Nappies, oh dear. She was obviously pregnant. And uh, yeah, The Railway Arms being in the pub. That's what they were missing, obviously on a Friday or Saturday night. Good stuff. Yeah, good lyrics. There are many, many more items that Dave's mentioned on his list. There's also, who was it? Ray, my namesake. Ray, hello, Ray. Ray said, what about an episode? Uh, what was it? Grass is always greener. You know the saying, the grass is always greener, you know, on the other side of the fence. And as Ray pointed out, it's not. It's not always greener. You might think, I'm not doing this marriage. I'm fed up with this marriage. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to go down a pub and pull a bird. So you leave your wife, you, know, you end up in a bed sit somewhere <laughs> and it's not so green on the other side of the fence as you thought. You end up just going to the pub, you haven't got proper meals, your shirts aren't washed and ironed anymore and you wish you'd never left your wife. So I'm giving that one some thought, Ray. <laughs> I get loads of um, suggestions, which is great. Ray's rants at protonmail.com, email me. It doesn't matter whether you know you, you think I might have done something before or I haven't. Just pile on your suggestions, chuck them all over to me and I'll sift through everything and see what's what. I sometimes put an episode together out of two or three suggestions. I might think, well, that on its own won't work and neither with that or that, but put them together. I can make something of that and then really bore people for almost an hour. One of these days I'll shock you all and make a an episode an hour and a half long or two hours and you'll all be snoring. <laughs> Just looking through some of my notes here, one here from Linda. She's talking about uh, dance halls. That's a little bit before my time. I do remember our local, well, it wasn't a dance hall as such, you know, where you go, um, not ballroom dancing, so much jiving and stuff. That was the 50s, Linda. But yeah, that's a good thought. Again, I might be able to put that into a future episode when they were jiving and things with the teddy boys in our local dance place, I was kind of eight years old, so I don't remember that. I do remember people talking about it, and I remember seeing teddy boys, but I wasn't actually there, of course, so I can't say too much about that. One here from Emma. Hello, Emma. She says, how about people that had to get married because they were pregnant? <laughs> um, right. I don't, I, luckily I, I never found myself in that situation, but had to get married because they were pregnant. That's a good one, Emma. I've got quite a list of them here. I won't ask Emma why you suggested that, whether that's from your own, your own personal experience or whatever. I'm getting a, a funny voice now. I've still got, um, you know, a bit of a dry throat. I must get a beer. I must go down the pub. No, I mustn't. I've still got uh, a couple of, did I tell you about my teeth? I won't bore you, but I now have two temporary crowns and I'm not finding it that easy to talk with these temporary crowns because they're a bit big and ugly and, and horrible. Just looking through Emma's email again. Ah, I see now, I didn't read it properly. Sorry, Emma. What she's saying is back in the 50s, 40s, 50s, even the 60s, anyone that got pregnant, uh, it was a, it was frowned upon. You know, it was a bad thing. Um... It, what, you remember that record? I keep going on about records. Love Child. That was 60s or 70s, wasn't it? Love Child, no, never meant to be or something. It was, I mean, these days it seems, actually fewer people seem to get pregnant these days. I think they've got a, a bit more sense. You know, they're a bit more concerned about having babies. Back then, you'd hear that some chap has got his girlfriend pregnant. You think, oh my goodness, gosh, jolly hockey sticks. You know, it, it was not good news. 
and I have heard you see things on telly, go back to the 40s, 30s, 20s, babies were taken away from single mothers. Yeah, they were taken away. I don't know what they did with them. But yeah, good point, Emma. Um, pregnancy when it was frowned upon, uh, or out, pregnancy outside of marriage when it was frowned upon. Good thought. I might uh, introduce that into... I don't, no, I can't really mix that. I have to be careful what I mix up, don't I? Well, I'll think about that, Emma. I've kept your email here. You're on my list. Pubs were fantastic places and I do miss them. Even now at my age, I wouldn't mind going to a local... If I had a local pub, I wouldn't mind being a, a regular there. We do have a club not far from us. It's been closed for two years because of COVID and everything. They are opening. Now, when are they opening? I can't remember now. But that's a club. It's not a pub. And okay, the, the beer's cheap, the drinks are cheap, but it's not quite the same as, uh, as I said before, a, tr a traditional British pub. It's not the same. It's all open plan. There's uh, the pool table in the middle. It's very open plan. It's family orientated, which is good. You have children in there up to eight o'clock at night, but it's not like a pub. There's a pub actually that we passed the other day. Must be one of the very few pubs in and around town. I've never been in there. I drove past with my wife and I said, oh, look, that's the old house at home. That's what it's called. <laughs> you probably guessed that as I called it the old house at home. And, you know, I've never, it's been there forever. I've never been in there. So perhaps one of these days we'll have a look. It looks like an oldie-worldie pub. I'm not sure. I think my daughter's been in there for lunch, which isn't a good sign, is it, if all they do is food. I shall go and have a look and... Uh, I shall keep you posted on that one. There's loads more I could talk about, but I want to give my want to give my mouth a rest and give your ears a rest. So thanks for listening. Raise rants at protonmail.com. I'm just going to get a drink of something non-alcoholic. It's the middle of the day. I shall see you next Wednesday for the midweek message. In the meantime, take care. Bye bye for now.